We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for their Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, we're also joined uh, by Eurostep Podcast host and frequent cruising for a bruising contributor, Ty Windish. Ty, thanks for joining us. Oh, you guys are so welcome. You know, I feel like there's been a couple of times when I joined either a playback room or a podcast and things seem bright. And I thought, you know what, maybe maybe that'll happen today as well. And my snap has been or my streak has been snapped is all I will say. But great, great to be talking to you guys regardless. So for the last month, I have just steered into a recurring bit that the only thing the Brewers were going to do at the deadline was acquire one uh, relief pitcher. And I have a I have a Staples easy button in in my office here, and I just kept hitting it, and it got jammed. And now they've ended up, I think, sending out one relief pitcher and welcoming four to the fold. So that's where we are. A confusing trade deadline, to say the least. Um, whoever wants to chime in at first, I didn't say, ask how you are, Adam. How are you, Adam? That's usually how I start the podcast, but I wanted to make sure I gave Ty a warm welcome. 
I'm fine. I, I think I got most of it out of my system yesterday, preparing for this. And yeah, I mean, the surprise of the pitchers just kept on coming. That's that's mostly where I'm at. Um, get maybe that's what happens though when you trade arguably the best reliever in baseball is then you get his replacement, but you're also like maybe you should get some more relievers too. So the bullpen deeper. Not necessarily as formidable at the top end, though, with the kind of guys that in a playoff scenario you're really going to be banking on getting kind of meaningful reps um, game over game. Uh, it's it's pretty disappointing. And mostly I think what we'll find ourselves doing a lot of on this episode is talking about other teams. One very notable team in the National League who uh, they they showed... Mark Adonazio to show to everyone else in Major League Baseball. Oh, hey, you want to win? You're not the Dodgers. You're not the Yankees. Well, you you can try. It's not against the rules to, in fact, try to win at the deadline. Before we dig into everything, I want to go over the individual moves that were made just so we have them clear in front of us. Obviously, we talked about yesterday, Josh Hader out, Taylor Rogers, then Nelson Lamette, Estee Uri Ruiz, and Robert Gasser the Brewers for Josh Hader. Uh, last night, while at least Adam was sleeping, I think I was still doom scrolling on the internet at that point. They acquired Matt Bush from the Texas Rangers for Antoine Kelly and Mark Mathias. Uh, we're we're going to do a lot of talking about some of the individual players in this move and the merits that they have while also being disappointed about the overall direction. I think that's going to be a lot of how we feel because Matt Bush is undoubtedly a good addition to the bullpen. He has a 2.95 ERA in 36 and two-thirds innings this year. Uh, has electric stuff, high 90s fastball, power slider, if I was reading correctly, and kind of a, a deeper pitch mix than he had in the past. He's got a uh, complicated story. He was a, a hot prospect coming up, I believe, in the Padres system. Ended up with the Rays a little bit as well had troubles with alcohol and uh, outbursts of violence when he was drinking, most notably coming when he uh, was involved in a hit-and-run accident that um, left a, a older gentleman severely injured. He went to prison and I believe served, uh, was it around a three-year prison sentence? Fifty-some months, I thought. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so that'd be even so, longer, unless I have the number wrong, which I could. I think, I think your boat possibly right. I think he might've only served three years of a sentence that was closer to five years. Yep. And so that's what it was released from prison in uh, October, 2015 uh, restarted his career with the Texas Rangers in 2016. And uh, for the most part has been a good pitcher on the mound. He missed two full seasons due to entry in 2019 and 2020 had a tough bounce back year and only four innings in 2021. And this year has been excellent. So adds to the bullpen, uh, middle inning, late in, inning potential with with Rogers, Devin Williams, Boxberger, um, and potentially another guy who was just acquired today, Trevor Rosenthal. And there's going to be a similar theme because he missed uh, last season due to injury, comes in having not thrown a major league pitch this season, and going the other way uh, to the San Francisco Giants is Tristan Peters. So that's where we are. Josh Hader out, uh, Mark Mathias out, a few uh, prospects, and Antoine Kelly, who m most recently was in the MLB Futures game. Looks like 
uh, projects as an electric relief option in a few years. And then Tristan Peters, who's an outfielder, who I believe just was promoted to double A. So that's where we are. Uh, we said when breaking down the hater trade that it was like evaluating a picture that was not yet painted. Like there were still things to be filled in. They're filled in. And I think we're all, while can find things about the players they got to like, think that th- this is just not not good enough for my ownership. And it's letting down the elite players that you have on cost-controlled contracts in Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta, Devin Williams. And it's letting down your fans, especially when you consider what else happened in baseball and what else happened in a small market. I think the thing to lead off with on that is it's worth getting out in front of the Brewers could not come close to that package. The Brewers. Oh yeah. They were, they were not getting Juan Soto. There's nothing they have. Like you're going into players that no Brewers fan would consider as putting into a trade package for him to get into the conversation because the Padres just have a level of prospects to far exceed the Brewers, but they also, I mean, gave up a starting pitcher, gave up someone who I saw Keith Law describe as, you know, would be the number one prospect the Padres have, except they've recently promoted him to the major league team. So it was quite a haul for the Nationals. Um, so that element of it is out of play. I The thing for me, though, and kind of revisiting this on what we talked about yesterday, I think the hater deal is easier to get on board with, to wrap your head around if a deal for the bat was coming with it. That's where we basically left things off in the last pod. I'm a little surprised that they made that deal without being somewhere down the road on getting a bat. Like that's, that's the thing that surprises me because in all the talking about being better or, you know, not losing any ground in the now also retooling for the future. I don't know. It's pretty debatable. I mean, you're any injuries away from disaster offensively and the team struggled to stay healthy in the first half. And you now have, you know, a few good bets, bets that may be worth taking in terms of bullpen options, but they are gambles all the same. And Josh Hader not quite looking his best recently. I don't know necessarily should have been the thing for the nuclear option, unless you've got other things coming in that make you say, oh, well, even if we take a slight step back there, we're confident that we've improved in this department. With that not happening, uh, I think the process just is a little confusing beyond anything else, beyond just the approach of going in and where ownership are prepared to go. Just I, I would have thought that when you got to the point of making that trade yesterday, that a bat would have been on the way or they were fairly confident with some options that were there that they were going to have someone. Maybe we find out they were close on someone, but I don't know. Pulling the trigger on the hater deal yesterday to not actually follow up with a bat where everyone could say, okay, the team the team could be better. You know, if 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 Taylor Rogers holds up, at least there's this extra element to the offense to maybe the team could be better. I think it's very difficult to do that right now. We're in the spot where we were yesterday where it's like, absolute best case scenario, they're the same. And I think that takes <laughs> takes a little bit of blind-eyed, homerish optimism to be like, this team is the same as they were a few days ago. Yeah, I, I feel like it's confusing to parse now it's difficult that the two moves they made post hater trade just don't 
it don't even include bats, right? Like it's sure they got. I think I, I think the Bush trade overall was was solid. I think he's pitched well. There's some fans who are like, oh, he's so old. Like who cares? I mean, they they gave up. I think uh, a good pitching prospect, but not not one of their elite prospects in the org, and you know, a player who just really was not not much of a difference maker up to this point, at least in Matthias. I think that's a good trade for a good reliever. And the the other trade, um, you know, for Rosenthal, I, we'll get into. Um, but I think the hater move, the only way it makes real sense to me is if they really like Ruiz. And I believe he is going to be AAA for now. It doesn't sound like he's going to be up maybe until September call-ups, maybe before then. But I, I suppose if they're really high on him, and he's been really, you know, an, an impactful player across double and AAA, didn't do much with the Padres, but I think we're just talking about a few games there, basically. Then maybe I, I almost get it. I still don't like it. Yeah, we're talking 27 ABs with the Padres, so not really much to go off of there. But uh, he's not even, you know, with the Major League Club right now, so it, it's very disappointing, I think. While I don't think the hater deal was a disaster, it's just, as you guys have said, doesn't seem like a move in the right direction. It seems like a lateral move at, at best. Unless again, Ruiz just pops or, or something, but I wouldn't expect that. And I'm not all that excited about anyone else, even if it seems like Rogers will be pretty, pretty good uh, with the Brewers. I don't buy that some semblance of a deal of similar values, not there during the winter. That's my thing. I don't buy that a contending team that maybe had their bullpen flame out in the playoffs. Wouldn't offer you similar value to hater. Now, like you said, if you're all in on Gasser and Ruiz, that's one thing. But the timing is still my issue. I think if you if your plan is to keep it status quo with the bat and not make a clubhouse shaking move, my preference would have been to run it back with Hater, add do the Bush trade again, do Rosenthal if you want, build out the bullpen around Williams and Hater, and go from there uh, without making this clubhouse altering move that isn't part of something bigger because as we're seeing and now in two weeks we'll either be talking about this as something or we'll be talking about it as nothing but right now the clubhouse seems a little shaken especially yeah. Devin Williams well it, go, it goes beyond that too I just uh, I muted my mic there to listen because I saw Brandon Woodruff just was talking about it and he came off the golf course to find out yesterday and his quote is that he thought it was a joke when he saw it um like this is a point you made um, when we first heard the news, right, Andrew? Which was they're on a nice run. Like they've they've finally got a bit of positive momentum going for the first time in a while, and that is the thing with making the trade now. That also just doesn't quite feel right. It's one thing if that is the trade, and again, if you've got another kind of, if you can tell your guys just hold on, tomorrow you'll see, and there's another splashy kind of move coming in. And the likes of Devin Williams can look around and be like, okay, well, we are still in as good, if not a better position to try and win. Uh, the, the Devin Williams interview is on, honestly concerning. Um, like, there may just be elements of that, that, of course, he was a setup man for Hater. The two of them have worked very closely together, and they've been responsible for a lot of wins for the Brewers. So he's likely taking that harder than a lot of other guys. But I think where there's a way where we could, or any Brewers fan, or maybe even the organization could have spun it to themselves as, look, Devin's shown how good he is. Now's his time to step up. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to take that opportunity. 
Ted Williams is just like, I just care about winning. And it, it seems like he doesn't understand how this is the move that gets you closer to winning, which I think it's fair. Like, so that that is that is something of a concern. Like at the end of the day, as we always hear the cliches, you know, it's a business and these guys are professional. And by the time a lot of people listen to this, Devin Williams may have come out and thrown a a perfect eight inning or even closed it out, got a save in the ninth for a Brewers win. Um, but it, it's just it's still a wrinkle that they've added into the mix that they didn't necessarily need, particularly when the teams around them were just, you know, actually actively getting better in terms of the roster. The Brewers didn't really do that, and they have also thrown an element of uncertainty into the clubhouse that wasn't there before. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And here's another thing that I think of with that, especially you make the trader head trader hater trade. This is the second you call time. You called the trader again? No, I did not. It was not Josh Hader's fault. I don't I, blame you, my, Josh Hader. I can't stop it. I can't speak. Uh, the last thing I want is Josh Hader to hate me. Uh, even if you you make this trade, and you're like, all right, we've seen middle relief scuffle in the last few weeks we really want to clean that up you get bush you get rosenthal for august which is the just report late august is what uh mccalvey just tweeted uh you love taylor rogers you're you're buying his bounce back you see the fip you know that he's gotten a little unlucky you're buying all that awesome you've got corbin burns brandon woodger freddie peralta's coming back go grab an upgrade anywhere in the lineup and and just Give Council more options to use. Brandon Drury, who also went to the Padres, the guy that could play third, second, I think he can play in the outfield. We know Council loves having options. Make the Cubs an offer they can't refuse for Ian Happ. Uh, you're in Pittsburgh today. Go kick down Ben Sherrington's door and tell him his franchise is irrelevant and pry Brian Reynolds away. You, everyone has a price, and maybe you tell me the price was too high. Honestly, if that price doesn't include Chorio or Frelick. I'm probably okay with it at this point if it's a meaningful upgrade with the years of control. And that just didn't happen. And I and the thing about it is I still think this team, amidst all of the good teams in the league, can make a playoff run because of that elite level starting pitching and the upgrades they've made to the bullpen. That being said, who do I want? And I know people have told me and argued with me in places that Josh Hader has uh, had playoff meltdowns from time to time. He's also looked really good during a playoff run. I mean, he's. Are we thinking that 
Josh Hader's playoffs failings were something intrinsic to him that he couldn't get over. I don't buy that. I think his stuff's still good. I think he could have come out and had a great postseason. We'll never know now. Um, yeah, I you just, know, you I do we'll know, know that there are a lot we'll, of Brewers we'll fans. There are a lot of Brewers fans who are just forever going to write him off and be like, he was finished and he can't do it in the postseason. And lots of guys never get it done in the postseason, and it doesn't always necessarily mean they can't do it in the postseason. But that is that is now going to be the line because it's going to make everyone feel better, whether it's true or not. Like this is this is part of fandom. I have seen this at other sports many times, and I fully expect to see it again here. But uh, I mean, Josh Hader is not just any random guy. It, I think would be the thing here. It's like if ever there's a guy you were going to bet on and be like. Okay, even if we have concerns about what we're seeing recently, concerns about what we've seen before, we also know what he is at his best. And he is the level of game changer that really, you know, can help again, particularly when you've got the starting pitching you have. Like now, actually, the funny thing with these moves and then with the lack of moves for a bat, more than ever, it feels like the Brewers are going to have to rely on their pitching if they're to make a playoff run. And yet they traded Josh Hader. That's. That's a kind of tough one. There's there's some cognitive dissonance at work there as a fan and trying to sell yourself on, oh yeah, they're they're ready to go for that. And also then when you look at, you know, what their path could end up being like, some of the teams they could end up playing, like if they end up playing the Padres, for example, well, you're gonna be staring in the face what it looks like to actually go and be aggressive about it. And the line I mentioned yesterday um from Grant Brisby's power rankings for the athletic which was everybody wants to go to heaven nobody wants to die that was a specific reference to the brewers as a potential team for josh bell and just the feeling that you know josh bell out of their price range because they're just not prepared to go there it's not that they can't go there but that they're not the kind of team prepared to go there and then i think if you look at a lot of the other guys whether it's someone like brandon drury although i can't actually remember what what his price ultimately ended up being I think it was a one-for-one one with uh, San Diego's sixth-rated prospect, if that sounds right. A shortstop. Like, are the Brewers doing that? I don't know. That's, That's the, the line issue. on the Brewers my is that issue... they, they, they don't trade their prospects for upgrades. They're just really but reluctant to do it. They traded them for the upgrades that they don't need. Antoine Kelly is one of the, I mean, again, he's not a high, a super highly rated prospect within the org, but they just don't have any pitching prospects. I mean, the two higher are small, who's not been good and gasser who they got for hater. And they traded him for a, a reliever upgrade, which is great. Uh, not an upgrade, excuse me, another reliever, which is great. Again, we need to make sure we have enough options because we traded Josh hater. And it's, then it's also, Peters, you know, it's, it's not like Jay cousins and Justin Topa are just about to come back to, it's like the team has just an, an endless, number of relievers it's kind of insane right. yeah well and it's like and then tristan peters who i know they have too many outfielders i pointed this out today in like relation to the soto hall does a team want if all of your top prospectors are outfielders are they like hey we also don't want to have too many outfielders either i don't know but they trade him for rosenthal who hasn't pitched in two years and was a free agent until two weeks ago and then signed with the giants and now they extracted a at least a prospect of record for from the brewers like they did move some prospects the issue is they just didn't put them toward the position that we all and everyone who's watched a second of brewers baseball identified them as needing which to me makes it almost more frustrating 
think you're not, just I, I still neutral. think I think you're just you're not dipping into the real prospects though. And you look at teams who made moves. Like if you want a good player back, you're not just talking about any player. You're not talking about a player to fill a gap. You're talking about an impact player at the deadline. You've got to move a real prospect, and you've got to be prepared to do that because you're first in your division, and you've got Corbin Burns, a Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta's coming back, and you're like, you know what? Things go our way. We've got a chance here. Just didn't really act like that. Like that's that's the thing I think with the prospects, and honestly, where I come out of it. <laughs> It's funny, like the the Brewers themselves start the day off with a note that is kind of exciting with the promotions to Nashville. And you're like, oh, look at that. That's that's a pretty fun and starry outfield that's that's now landing with the sounds just one step away. You see the way they're acting on deadline here, and it's just like, oh, well, if this if this team is to ever really get serious and be able to push beyond, they are relying on their own prospects. And it's not like they're their own selection of prospects their farm system is highly ranked at all there is now obviously one major major outlier in that but that's quite a way down the line it's now at a point though where it's like joey weimer sal frelick those kind of guys like them not just becoming capable players to the brewers but becoming more than that like does does the chance of the brewers really making a meaningful run at something in for example, the Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff era, does it hinge on those kind of guys actually popping? <laughs> it might do if if they're not prepared to really kind of go out on a limb and do a little bit more than that on a day like today. There's also probably a little bit of bad luck involved in terms of which guys would have made the most impact. Also, probably been pricey, but still like not Soto level, and that they were all within the division. I mean, what's the Brewers' biggest weakness on offense? It's that they can't hit left-handed pitching. They're 25th ranked in WRC Plus against left-handed pitchers this year. Uh, Brandon Drury matches lefties. He played for the Reds. Um, Ian Happ and Brian Reynolds are switch-hitting center fielders that fit into your positional need, and they play for the Cubs and the Pirates. So would if we were on this podcast talking about them having acquired Michael A. Taylor or Ramon Mariano and still – trading Josh Hader, I think we also would have been disappointed. So I've, I've got to the point where I'm just frustrated and throwing my hands up because I don't, I don't know what to make of what the options were, but it just feels like a missed opportunity. Uh, Stern said they were in calls or in talks for position players, didn't find any of the prices to their liking and were surprised that more guys didn't move. That's the uh, the cover post deadline. It sounds like, according to Kurt Hogue, um, indicating they didn't find the cost of acquisition to be their their liking for a lot of those players, and apparently to other teams' likings. Again, yeah, we're talking about portfolios. Like you've <laughs> got to be re- you've got to be responsible with that. Like your asset management is ultimately crucial in what you do along the line. But there also comes a point where it's like. Hey, we're good. Might be able to win. And you know, like the Padres are not going anywhere right now either, because you're gonna have to worry about that next year too. So <laughs> your your pod is just getting more and more difficult at a moment where there is a slight opening, you could have some opportunity. It's just I like I'm glad to hear they were they're on the phone about position players, but it was trade deadline day. So I kind of assumed that I was like 
not a, a Bobby Marks Brooklyn Nets turned the phones off and didn't realize until after situation I was expecting. So I'm glad they were working the phones, but that's honestly the bare minimum of what you expect on a deadline day. Also, probably shouldn't be that surprised if you didn't, you know, go trade for anyone. I mean, you wouldn't have to be surprised if you got the player that, that you didn't trade for. It, it Also, it wasn't ultimately that inactive as a day. Like, there, there was a meaningful enough amount of trades considering how late it all started. And obviously part of that is waiting for the Soto domino to fall. But I, I think that, you know, being surprised that not more players were traded. Plenty of players were traded. Like, it's, it's not like there was absolutely nothing happening in the market. I think... Uh, where, where do we go from here? What, what, I was, what do we... Uh, it's gonna what do we you? Are you not the host of this podcast? Are you doing okay? <laughs> I'm trying to pull up splits right now to uh, really to cover make myself sad. To, oh, are you still pulling or do you have your, your splits? I'm still pulling. I need a new laptop. I uh, I think it's not great that although they didn't get Soto, the Cardinals added a pair of pretty good starting pitchers to their their arms. I mean, they didn't make I think a move that wowed anyone. Also, Harrison Bader being available. I mean, I don't know if they would have done business with the Brewers. Maybe not. And I I wouldn't have wanted to send a good pitcher to the Cardinals anyway. But that would have been a nice center field option anyway. But he goes to the Yankees for uh, Jordan Montgomery. They also pick up Jose Quintana. Like, you know, I didn't I don't think they they shattered anyone's reality, but that's going to be a dangerous team for the rest of the season, given they already have two MVP level position players, which is two more than the Brewers have, although they are not MVP level players in Canada, at least. Yeah, but uh, I mean, speak- getting get it, getting two starters for that team is just that's a massive deal because you look yeah. at what they are and you're like, OK, well, we know what Goldschmidt and Arenado give. Oh well, where are the weak spots for the Cardinals, which as Brewers fans we like to talk about and think about quite a lot. And those weak spots are not as prominent now as they were before. Which it's even a just good sound you know, deadline. Yeah, and the Brewers are, you know, in a race here, particularly if they want to win the division. The gap is not all that great. You're gonna see the Cardinals very soon. Like some of this stuff could you could really feel the pain on it very, very quickly. I hope not. I hope the positive momentum that's going just keeps rolling. We see them take care of business. Pirates and Reds, in theory, just, again, ideal opposition. But every time that's happened this year, it's been a disaster. Um, So this would be a good time to just roll off the wins against those teams. But if not, like, you're coming into some pretty tough stretches in the, the schedule with some very, very important games. It could get dicey, could get dicey if they don't win the games that, as we've said all season, they should win. I finally had the numbers to make myself sad. And the guys that I really wanted that I just mentioned, Ian Happ, 402 OBP against lefties, 348 OBP against righties, would have been a perfect fit in center field. Maybe the Cubs said Chorio or bust and they hung up the phone. If that were the case, uh, I would say, you know, good call. And then you've got, Brandon Drury, who mashes against left-handers, a 309 average, nine homers uh, against lefties this year. And then Brian Reynolds, who is a switch hitter as well and has a uh, 280, where did this go? 280, 346, 400 uh, line against lefties. Uh, hits righties a little better from a power department. But just guys that would have filled that exact kind of specific need in terms of having options against lefties because there's a lot of dead spots in the lineups. 
lineup when they play lefties and guys that have uh, versatility uh, in terms of switch hitting in two cases and positional versatility in jury's case. Maybe the prices were too high. Sounds like they were, but you have to give to get. And you made your team deeper in the bullpen and you did nothing with the lineup and everyone else around you got better. So now to your point yesterday, Adam, the baseball playoffs can be a crapshoot. You're, you're just counting on the luck bouncing your way now rather than trying to uh, make your own luck. Billy Zane, Titanic. <laughs> but to to that point of ADSA, you are no longer even like, you, you can't make any kind of claim to be top of the second tier. You know, you need your luck to break, luck to break your way from all corners. You need like the true heavyweights to fall out. You now need the best of the second tier for it not to work out for them. Like you, you just, you're way down the pecking order. You're not giving yourself the best possible chance to capitalize on that look. Like that's, that's part of, part of the frustration here for me. Uh, let's, let's try and find something positive to wrap up on. If this is to work out, the Brewers are to come alive. They're to become a team that could win a playoff series this season. We know there's going to have to be something on offense that really sparks them. What is that? What can we look to or who would we be looking to to be the difference maker that, that could help this not feel as bad come the end of the season as it does today? Uh, number one would be, I think, Willie Adamas cutting down on his uh, swing and miss in big situations and just doing a little bit of what he did in the Boston series early, which is mixing in some singles and some doubles to the home runs and the strikeouts. I think uh, Willie raising on base percentage closer to his career norms, I think would do a lot in providing at-bats with runners in scoring position for the Rowdies and the McCutcheons and the Renfros of the world. And similarly, I think Tyrone Taylor has to see that this is an opportunity for him. They're, they're not replacing you. You've got Ruiz at, at AAA waiting to maybe uh, get a shot at your job if you don't perform. But I think for the next few weeks, it's going to be Tyrone Taylor's job to lose in center. And those two guys who are guys that have shown power this season and good defense up the middle but haven't really put it together in terms of the on-base percentage. Getting to even a slightly below league average area there, something above 300 for OBP, and still tapping into that power, I think that lengthens this lineup and would help tremendously. I think that's what I'm looking for in the second half because we've seen consistency from yelling down the leadoff role. He's getting on base. Toe tap is here. I love the toe tap. Uh, Rowdy as well with the power. Hunter Renfro's coming into his own, so – if you can keep that going and then add at both the top and the bottom of your lineup, Taylor at the bottom, Adamas usually hitting second. I think that would be huge. Also Taylor Rogers being Taylor Rogers from April, April and May this year and effectively replacing Josh Hader's production. I'm a, I'm a Rogers fan. I love the interviews where he was tired and clearly as shocked as the rest of us. Uh, They, they, they got him to the pitching lab already, it sounds like, and they said, here's your FIP. You're getting unlucky. Let's tweak some things and figure things out. And he's like, all right, let's go, second half. So uh, I'm in on Rodgers. And if the bullpen – They should uh, probably let him have the ninth tonight against the Pirates, you know, just so he can have a nap and they wake him up like, you know, in the eighth, just be like, okay, you feel refreshed? Yeah, it sounds like uh, they're going to do – play the matchups with him, Devin, and Box. Um I've heard anecdotally from people on Brewers Twitter that Council was very good at mixing and matching when 
there have been situations where he didn't have a nailed on closer to use. Uh, so we'll see there. Uh, one thing I don't know, I should have done some some digging into. I know at this point in his career, Hader has insisted on being a one inning reliever. If Rogers is a guy who, when the matchups are beneficial, can give you an extra out in the next inning or an extra couple outs or two full innings, that could help things. This bullpen is deeper, and they've got to make that work for him because that's what they're betting on. The offense doing what it's done over the last nine games and also pitching being what wins the day. Obviously, we got Freddie Peralta coming back as well, so that's huge. So it's going to be it, – it's going to be hopefully shut down pitching and then some guys in the lineup just returning closer to their career norms. Am I crazy for wanting to see a little bit more Jonathan Davis in center? I think you will late in games. I just – I like that he – I know we, we joke about this with the money ball references. I like that he gets on base. Well, he if you if you combine him and Taylor, they'd be the perfect center fielder for the Brewers. <laughs> they sure would. If you combine Jonathan Davis and a few players, they'd be the perfect X because there's so many players who don't hit for average or get on base. Jonathan Taylor or Jonathan Davis, excuse me, has walked two less times in a third of the games as Tyrone Taylor has so far this season. Like, I, I just think with this team, when you have, I mean, obviously we know how Willie has played. I mean, basically everyone but Yelich is like more power than contact. I would, that's what I wanted all along from the deadline was just someone who got on base, whether they hit for a high average, they walk a lot, or some mix of the two. And I wouldn't hate to see him get a little bit more, especially if Taylor continues to be cold. Maybe that extra belief that he might have now that they didn't get a center fielder will help. Um, but I, I don't hate the idea of mixing in a little more Jonathan Davis. Also, be nice if we could figure out a position for Keston. Uh, maybe he just won't come back up. Who knows? But that is at least against righties, one of your more dynamic bats now. So I would like to see some progress there on figuring out, in the words of you know Tim Robinson, figure out what you do, Keston. Also, they didn't move a catcher. So yeah, we were focusing on positives. Severino being here is so annoying. Uh. I think the DFA needs to come to Severino and Keston's power off the bench needs to be something that's here, but we'll see. Uh, I want Willie Adamas to be a breakout star. I just think he needs to be the best player, best position player on the Spurs roster. Tied for the lead of homers this season, that's great. Um, I want to see him take that lead and run away with it. I want to see him hit more for contact. I think he's got that in him. We've certainly seen it. And when he gets hot in streaks, he is the guy. It just feels like that the potential is there that if it all clicks, could transform how we, we look at this roster in a pretty major way. Uh, it will be a good time for it to happen over the next couple of months. So I'd really like to see Willie click into gear. I think we'll get strong bursts from Rowdy like we've had throughout the season. Hunter Renfro can't possibly continue doing what he's doing right now, but it, hey, if he wants to, I'm all for it. But Willie is the guy that's like, okay, if you could really take the next step now. I, I think it's there. It feels like he, he has it in him, so now would be a good time. None of us mentioned it, which I think we're probably just trying not to jinx anything. If Yelly just keeps moving the direction he's been moving, that, that would help a lot too. He's quietly for the season now, even not just for like looking at specific parts of it, 
having a pretty solid batting season, which is really nice given the way that he started. So I, as much as I would love to say, you know, now that he's hitting for contact and, and just playing better, maybe move him out of the leadoff spot, I wouldn't even touch it given how good it's been for him this season. All right. We got to wrap up because we have got a live show to do. By the time all you listen to this, um, you probably know the outcome of Brewers Pirates, but we are going to watch along in the first game of that. Corbin Burns on the mound. Hopefully it's a fun one and we can continue to feel good about the Brewers on the field and just trade deadlines behind us. Hopefully the performance stays at a level it has been recently. To make sure you don't miss any episodes of Cruising for Bruising in the future, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You should also subscribe to the GSPN Substack, gspn.substack.com. That's where you get all episodes directly to your inbox, along with Andrew's write-ups and the Master Brewer leaderboard updates. You should subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you'll get all things Milwaukee books. Ty and Rowan are on there with the Eurostep. You'll hear myself and Jordan on Winning Six, and we crossover collaborate frequently too andrew even pops up from time to time all things books covered on the eurostep podcast network we're on twitter at brewers gspn i'm at adam mcgee 11 andrew's at ac snide ties at ty windish that's pretty much it gspn.info if there's anything else you want to get in the discord you want to buy merch anything else you'll find it there thanks as always to all of you for listening thank you ty thank you Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Still in first place. Onward. 